You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as always, I'm the host of this wonderful show. And on today's podcast, this post-Christmas Day podcast, I will bring you a show about Victor Lodipo, some injury update, uh, an explainer on why Doug McDermott is succeeding so well this season, and then my hottest take on Jimmy Lamb to end today's podcast. So let's start with it. Well, we all got some Christmas news yesterday as Adrian Wojnarowski dropped another bomb, another Woj bomb out there. Uh, as he said, Pacers guard Victor Lodipo is expected to return to the lineup by early February and as soon as late January from that uh, ruptured right quad tendon. Uh, we, as Pacer fans, as somebody who has been sort of just listening to what other people have been reporting, this is um, about on schedule. I think there was some optimism that he would return December, January range, but I think as there's been no clear update until this point, it became pretty obvious it was probably going to be late January. Uh, I felt especially when the team sort of, I think they came out December team and said he's making progress. That made me think they're at least a month away, if not six weeks, which puts it right where I'm thinking. Um, I think his return date, you know, it seems the best chance for him to come back would be a home game, right, against a not great team. So the Pacers go on a, I believe, a five-game West Coast road trip starting Jan- January 19th. They go to Denver, Utah on the 20th, Phoenix 22nd, Golden State the 24th, and Portland the 26th. It actually looks much easier now than it did, um, I don't know, before the season started. That's kind of three or four teams that aren't very good, to be honest. But January 29th, the Pacers take on the Bulls at home. And February 1st, they take on the Knicks at home. And February 3rd, take on the Raptors at home. And then February 7th, they take on the, the uh, Mavericks at home. Sorry, flip that. Mavericks 3rd, Raptors 7th. Those four games feel like the opportunity for him to return. I don't know whether it will be as early as January 29th, what they say late January. But it, it feels like if he's going to return, it's going to be in that stretch. That'll leave the Pacers with probably about 20 to 25 games left, give or take. Uh, hopefully by that point there'll be a 30-ish win team, maybe 28 and 14, something like that. And he'll be able to um, come in and hopefully elevate them to probably a 50-plus win team. But I think it's probably going to take 53 to 55 wins to be the two seed, uh, and probably the three seed too, somewhere in that range. And then you know I think about 50 wins will fall in order for four, five, and six between 48 and 50. So that's the that's kind of the goal right now. The Pacers are on pace to win two-thirds of their games, which equals, I believe, about 54, 53, if we do the math right, I think uh, two-thirds of 82 is roughly that. I think it's like, you know, 26, roughly, 27 and a third, so get you really close to um, to being, I think, one of the top two, three seeds, and that's the goal, I think, two, three, especially, I think, two. The two is going to have an easier path than the three seed, because I think two through six are all really good in the East. Now there's a chance that maybe Denver, or not Denver, sorry, Toronto falls off because of injuries or whatnot. No, 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 those may not be, those might fix themselves come playoff time. But I think there's a chance that Toronto maybe falls out of that pact. Um, but like even at the 2 7 game, the Brooklyn, if Kyrie's healthy, it's still a tough game. So um, no really easy, I don't think it won't be as many easy first round matches except for, of course, the Bucks. Whenever eight seed, they draw either Orlando or Detroit or some wild card team. But when Vic returned, I think. As Pacer fans, we need to have tempered expectations. So yeah, he will not have played a basketball game in over a year. Really not a healthy one since October of 2018, give or take. I mean, I think he hurt his knee, I believe it was somewhere in November, early November range. So 
It'll be pretty much 13 months since he really played a healthy basketball game. Uh, I don't know what shape he's going to be in. I think he'll be in okay shape, but he won't be in Victor Oladipo shape. Um, what made him so good in that, you know, in his first year in Indiana was the fact that he just changed his body and became a much more um, athletic player and became just had a, a speed and um, efficiency around the rim that was just unheard of in his career to that point. And it's kind of what elevated him from a 16-point-a-game guy to a 22-point-a-game guy. I think it was like 23 finished with. And really, um, and then the clutch stats also. I mean, so the hope is the clutch stuff is still there, just to be able to kind of step back threes, pull up kind of shots like that. But I, I do think if that, that volume of scoring, that speed, will probably not be there the first month or two. But the, the key with Vic is not necessarily him being there in February, but it's just getting him ramped up for two months of basically practice to peak come April come May because that's what really matters right now so this team with him or without him is probably going to win I think 48 games I mean at, at, at a minimum and then maybe he can elevate them to 52 53 wins and yes I think being the two C is important but I think just being one of those top six teams that are going to be is even more important and if they draw somebody like a Philly or a or a Toronto or a Boston in a, in a, in a three six match I'm not sure they should you know I think the home court will be important, but I think the pitch will be on their level, if not better, if Vic is at his best, right? I think they probably fall third in the East, maybe fourth, but probably tie with Boston at third if they have a healthy Victor Oladipo. Um, but it also depends how Philly kind of comes out. I don't. I mean, they, Philly destroyed Milwaukee today on Christmas Day, so maybe that's the best Philly's going to be. Maybe they have a gear to go to. But I worry about uh, chemistry and just some overall concerns with Embiid's being in shape still and the fit of that team. But anyways, I think the pitches are on on all those teams' level, especially the three seed is Boston, the three seed they could easily win that series. Avenge last year, um, if Vic is at 100% come playoff time, so that's the that's the bigger one, right? I think you want to be a two three seed, but the the bigger thing is he's going to be healthy. And I think the first month there'll be a struggle to watch him. I think he'll make a lot of, you know, he'll be pushing himself a little bit. Hopefully he doesn't push himself too much, but I think he'll be playing probably more like 20 to 25 minutes per game and not the 30 to 35. And he won't be putting up the high volume numbers, and he probably won't have the same speed right away, but. Um, the key is, can you see flashes of it? And he's coming back to a better offensive team. And honestly, just a better team. I mean, the the, the Pacers team they had the past couple of years overachieved, as in they just they were they were so consistent and veteran led that they were just they kind of lucked into forty eight wins, right? And they're well coached. Don't get me wrong. But this year, this year's team is so much more talented. Um, they have the best player that's going to play with outside Westbrook, but as a Pacer for sure, it's going to be in, in Brogdon. Sabonis is at the best he's ever been. Um, Turner, you could argue, is at his best right now, at least in terms of just like offensive efficiency. His three-point shot has been up, it's been down recently, but when it's finally did on on Monday night, he's that's at his peak. Um, Aaron Holiday's the best he's been. He's never played with a forward of TJ Warren's caliber. I still think you know Bogdanovich is probably slightly better than Warren, if not even maybe even a bigger gap. But he's never played with somebody as talented as offensively as Warren or even Jeremy Lamb. And then you just talk about McDermott. He's playing also, also at his best. He's played in his Indiana career so. Uh, he's, he's coming in to a team that is significantly better, younger, can do more offensively. They might need his help on defense more, but also with Brogdon, he can also shag off the best player, not to guard him. So it, it's going to be definitely um, a team that's going to let him kind of manage himself. And then his, his goal, Victor Oladipo's goal, is to just be the clutch time player that he was because the Patriots are missing that right now. They really don't have that clutch time player, but just to be that level and be kind of the superstar that every team needs to succeed. And maybe the right talent around him, plus that, plus some injury luck, can push the Pacers pretty far in the playoffs. Um, that's the hope for now. That's my hope. But it's good to see he's going to return soon. It's good we have a timetable now. So hopefully no setbacks, no setbacks, sorry, setbacks, knock on wood. That's me knocking. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens, and I can't wait. 
So a quick break, and I want to talk about Doug McDermott and why he's succeeding so much. So Dougie McBuckets having a career year by far this year, I think. Um, McDermott is averaging his most most points of his career at 9.6 per game. Uh, his best three-point shooting percentage at 46%, and then his I believe his best effective goal percentage at 59.6%. Yeah, that beats out last year with 59%, which last year he had a pretty efficient year, but his volume of shots were 5.5 or 7.6, and his three-point volume was 2.7 instead of four this year. So he's taking the most threes of his career and making them at a ridiculous rate. And we're talking, I'm surprised it's only the league at 46%, but it is a ridiculous amount of threes. In uh, this year, he, he just seems... One, the offense seems to go through him more and they make an effort to get him the ball. But two, there seems to be more trust among the players with him. You know, it seems like Sabonis feels really comfortable feeding him and trying to feed him the ball and let him shoot. Um, and playing with guys, I think, like Justin Holiday and uh, McConnell, guys who are less selfish than maybe the Tyreek Evans of the world, the Lance Stevens in the world. So, um, that was the year before then. I guess that wasn't he did play at Lance, but the, but the Tyreek Evans of the world kind of make. I guess he did play at Lance a little bit. No, he didn't play at Lance last year. Sorry, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm still thinking two years ago. Sorry, but with the Tyreek Evans of the world, and then um, just better shooters have allowed him more space, right? So Holiday's a much better shooter, and even well, both Holidays are. And I guess McConnell really isn't a better shooter, but McConnell because of his passing creates space, and same with Sabonis, the way he can move off the ball. So he's playing with better players than last year for sure, a much better bench unit, but it's leading to just so much success. And I think the one number I would distill down to why he is having so much success, I mean, if you look at, like, um, his dribbles between shots, you know, it's about the same as last year. You're looking at, like, a slight slight up, down tick in taking shots with two dribbles instead of zero dribbles, you know, like a maybe a percent or two. But the key really is... Um, you know, how close defenders are to him when he takes his shots, right? So in previous years, he was shooting basically a third of his shots were either two to four feet, four to six, or six feet wide, right? So he tried to take as little shots when he had a close defender, but when he had kind of this, what we call a tight window of two to four feet, he was only taking about a third of his shots in there and making 21% of them. Well, he upped that this year. This year, he's taking 42% of his shots from a two to four feet tight window. He's trusting himself with defenders closing in. He's not getting nervous and worried, and that's leading to a 50% field goal percentage, which is I think is just ridiculous. Um, the only time he shoots below 45%, basically, from three is on a very tight window. But to be able to hit hit within two to four feet, 50% is like Kyle Culver-esque, is um, you know, sniper shooting level-esque, and he's the perfect player for you know a good team right so good teams just are often looking for shooters to hunt who can work really well in certain situations like and you know big time lunch with any buckets they have a guy like him to stretch the floor or even not even on the score just to be a menacing threat to stretch the floor on the court and then guys at the bench who just come out and have nights where they score 15 and just make make life easier and he's really i think been a a okay defender i'm not going to sit here and say he's been just like awesome or anything probably above average but he has his lowest defensive rating of his career since his rookie season um, he's just playing okay. Like he's just playing decent enough defense. Now he's playing with a much better unit again. He's playing with better guys, but he he plays with more energy on defense. You see, he's he's you know willing to kind of fight. I might be the right way to put it. Like willing to be back down and try to contest shots. So I mean, and you look at his like his per thirty six numbers, which I think are just like, I mean they're, they're kind of bonkers for a guy playing basically what twenty give or twenty one minutes a game. Um, his per thirty six are sixteen and a half points per game which is ridiculous on 13 shots. I mean, that's unbelievably af- efficient. Um, you know, for a guy who scored, guy who scored his average 16 points over 36 minutes, it's just for a guy who basically only takes one kind of shot. I mean, it, it's it's amazing, I I personally think. Um, 
he just haven't, I mean, I don't know what else, but he's just having an, an awesome year, and I thought it was worth talking about just because he's been so good. Um, it's really the first year where his win share is actually not a minus, right, or a zero, so he actually a positive win, win share at times. Um, he just, he's just been awesome. I mean, he, his distance, type, so he's really, he's really making an effort to take a majority, like, a majority of his shots from three-point range, right? So in previous years, he shot more like 40, I say 45, 55, 45 from two, 45 shots from two-point range, 50, or 45% from three-point range, 40, 55 from two-point range. This year, it's more, it's flipped that to like more like 53, 55, 45, three versus two-point. Um, he's even passing a little more this year. You know, his assists are up to 1.2. He's just, he, you know, he feels much more comfortable in his offense, the players he plays with, whatever it is. It's really working for him, and um, it's. I think it's one of the reasons why I said earlier why I'm most excited for Vic returns because I think, you know, I'm interested to see just some of these awesome three point shooting lineups. Like, what if we, what if the Pacers run like a Warren, Warren, Brogdon, McDermott, Turner, Holiday, Oladipo lineup? I mean, that's just like an unbelievable amount of shooting out there. You're talking about five guys who I trust to make a three in any moment of the game, essentially. Um, that lineup interests me. I mean, it's just. He allows the team to do so much because he can play a little three and four, and it's just the ceiling of this team is is just significantly higher when he's this good because you know not a lot of teams have that, and he's on such a bargain deal now. If he's playing this way, right, seven million dollars for the kind of spacing and shooting is pretty cheap nowadays, and makes the same amount next year. So um, I will be the first to admit I was wrong. I was completely wrong when I when they signed him after last season. Now, granted, he didn't play that great last year. I think he was okay, but it felt like, you know, you could use somebody better in that spot. And maybe, you know, we'd rather trade the offense for somebody who's really good at defense. But, nope, I, I'm dead wrong now. He's having he's having an awesome year. I mean, he's having, like, an otherworldly year. And he is, um, honestly, McDermott might be, I'm not going to call him the sixth man of the year on this team because I think there's, you know, if it's just going to be Lamb or it's Holiday. But um, he actually probably is the most surprising for me, pacer of, of the first, you know, pre-Christmas games, right? If you look at it, like, I think Aaron Holiday is having a great season, and I think that's, that is was somewhat expected. I mean, if you, in, like, if you, put, you play these, like, ten, play this world 10 different times, I'd expect, you know, Holiday to have that awesome season, you know, probably half the time. Um, Sabonis, I, I kind of thought would take a leap. You know, I, I, I didn't know it would be this good, but, you know, I thought it would take a leap. Um, certainly McConnell and Justin Holiday have been, been better than expected, but, I think if we're playing in a game where like there's ten different scenarios, I think there's only one scenario where McDermott ends up shooting forty six percent and nine nine point six points, and we're living in that reality right now. So that's pretty exciting. I think um, I know it's you know McDermott isn't the the, the sexiest player, the the top line guy averaging a ton of points, but his efficiency is just it's just unbelievable, and it's 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 a key for this Pacers bench and why it's been so successful. All right, after gushing from McDermott for about five or six minutes, like one more break, and I'm gonna talk about my take on Jeremy Lamb. All right, so hot take alert. Uh, this is just because I think the Pacers are actually better off, or going to be better off without Jeremy Lamb in the long run. So why do I say this? I think the bench has got some chemistry and some something going on that you don't want to disturb. And I think old people can easily replace Jeremy Lamb, obviously, when he returns. And then I think it leaves Jeremy Lamb kind of out in the limb, right? I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't want... McConnell or Holiday to be forced to go to the bench. That's really the choice. Um, the way it is right now, it you know with the basically the bench unit being McDermott, McConnell, Holidays, and Sabonis works. Maybe Lamb replaces Justin Holiday. Maybe that's the option. That maybe that's what it feels like. But 
that's a one way I see it, but it just feels like the Holly Bros have some chemistry that's just unbelievable. McConnell with whoever, you know, with McDermott is awesome. And you really can't go super small, right? So, like, you know, the idea would be, like, just kind of put Sabonis less minutes. But the staggering Sabonis has been a key reason why he's been so successful. And so I just, I, I personally think the pitching is better off without Jeremy Lamb right now. I mean, it one, in the situation where somebody's hurt, it allows Sumner to play minutes, which Sumner, I guess, has not been fantastic. He's only played, like, three or four games since he returned. But he has some potential, I think, and we still like to see. And really what Lamb playing does, but one, it's going to probably send, I think, probably Justin Holler to the bench right now. And then it's probably going to send, you know, Sumner out of the rotation and borderline in this league. I don't know. And, you know, as a team, right, to be successful in the NBA, in the playoffs, you probably need about eight guys. You want maybe nine reliable guys. And actually having more than that is not necessarily a good thing. So when you have like 10 or 11 guys, then you find guys who are struggling to get minutes, and then you guys who are disgruntled, right? So like the minute Oldie Poe returns and Justin Holiday, let's say he gets dumped out, I think he's probably the odds on favor right now. I think there's too much trust in McConnell to lead the offense. Um, and I'm just basically trying to try McConnell off and a little bit of Justin Holiday off. But then you get Justin Holiday, who's not playing with his brother, so that you lose that chemistry. And then you get this disgruntled guy who probably is going to return next year. He's thinking, well, I'm not going to play anyways. Because Justin Holiday's proven that he's definitely a rotation player. Well, and now has solidified his spot in the league for probably the next two or three seasons at least. I mean, he was I think he, he was already that way. I mean, he was one of the last guys signed, so maybe he wasn't. But he's been so good this year. And he just he solidified himself. No matter what, he'll be a you know mid-level exception guy, maybe even a little bit more. Well, not more than that, but probably a little maybe maybe more like the um, – because he, he's got the buy-in exception this time. Um, maybe he's between that and the and the mid-level taxpayer, I guess, which is like $10 million versus the mid-level, which is like 4.9 right now, something like that. But he's somewhere in that range, I think, and he's just he's earned himself a spot in the league forever. But, and I, you know, I like Jeremy Lamb, and I think Jeremy Lamb actually is a really good fit for this Pacer team in a way, just like the start of the year. But I think you don't want to disturb what you have right now. So maybe it's been it's better that Lamb is hurt. And I'm not sure Lamb is healthy the whole year anyways. He's just... Got, constantly beginning banged up this year and a guy who's been historically healthy to go through these just kind of sucks and so maybe just maybe you know that's this kind of year is going to have and it won't disrupt their flow but it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if when Oladipo returns Lamb goes to the bench there's some struggle with the starters and with the bench unit to readjust and then somehow like Lamb got hurt the the bench would figure it out and be better but maybe not maybe I'm wrong and maybe it's just that just holiday goes to the bench and you see goes to the out of the rotation and you see Lamb slot right in next to all those guys and play just as good as Justin Holiday, if not better. You know, Lamb has more size and is better shooter, so maybe that, that works out. But I don't know. I think there's just some chemistry with this team right now that I'm really liking and don't want to disturb. Now, granted, maybe Oldie Bruce disturbs that, disturbs that anyways because, you know, the starters have some chemistry now too. It's working really well. But um, this team certainly is deep enough right now, which is nice to, to kind of sustain any injuries. Uh, the good thing is, like, basically outside of losing a center, which even if they lost center, they, they probably could just go small ball with McDermott at the four. Um, and not put Gilga, but basically if any of their guards outside of, I would say, even outside of Oladipo in the playoffs, um, they could probably sustain enough to win some games. Probably not Oladipo and Brogdon, right? So, like, I'm thinking if one of Sabonis trying to hurt, they're probably okay. If Warren gets hurt, they're probably okay. Um, and if anybody on the bench is hurt, they're probably okay because they have enough depth to, to sustain itself, I guess, which is pretty good for a team that is maxed out on cap space and is probably heading towards a 50-plus win season. So to be that, you know, you could be the Sixers who have maybe six guys who are good. That That's the other that's the other alternative reality. But also the Sixers maybe are, are going to win a championship this year, so I don't know if they have that or not. But it puts them in a good position going forward, puts them in a spot where they can come contest together to get a big superstar someday and whatnot for a disgruntled guy. So I think it's a pretty good look for the Pacers right now. 
Uh, I want to know your guys' thoughts. Tweet at me at LockedOnPacers or FreedomAdam5. Follow my host, Tony, at TSNBA on Twitter. That's all for the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Tony will have the podcast tomorrow, proving the Miami Heat games. <laughs>